Welcome to Honest Money, your best guide to financial freedom. I'm Warren Ingram, the author of a few best-selling books, and I'm also an award-winning financial planner, and I've helped thousands of people on their journey to financial freedom. I'm not here to tell you what to do, but I am here to share my experience and the best ideas that I've learned, and I hope these ideas help you on your journey to financial freedom. Welcome to another episode of Honest Money. Uh, Today is an interesting one because we're, we're, we're dealing with with the leader of of a of a fantastic business, um, and it's not a startup. It's 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 a different situation to to some of our previous interviews with entrepreneurs who were who were trying to build startups from scratch. Here, here we're dealing with with uh, Rory Curtin, who's the group managing director of Emit Reversing Time, and I'm going to let Rory explain to you what Emit does. But but, uh, but but my journey with Rory is interesting because I've watched Rory come into a business. Uh, take it by the scruff of the neck and just absolutely grow it through the roof uh, in in really difficult and and kind of complex times in South Africa's uh, kind of recent past. So it's been fascinating to watch, and I, and I'm really excited for for you to hear uh, Rory and and his story. Uh, so so Rory, welcome. To, uh, thanks so much for joining. Um, and I thought maybe just to kick off, if you could tell us a little bit about Emus. Yeah, thanks, Warren. And thanks for the opportunity to chat to you. Really appreciate getting together, even if you have to do this virtually. Okay, so, so Warren, EMIT reversing time is quite an interesting story. We're 13 years old. And I mean, as you said by the introduction, you know, from, from a group perspective, I look after a couple of businesses. EMIT is what uh, the industry considers a 4PL, a fourth party logistics uh, service provider. So we're, we offer transport fulfillment, logistics fulfillment, and supply chain fulfillment for a big basket of customers ranging anything from final products to semi, semi-industrial semi goods and, and the likes. So we, we're spread across South Africa as well as the BLNS countries, mainly focusing on supply chain stuff. But within the group, when, when, when I got involved with EMIT in 2018, is we looked at our p and said, but there's so much more that the market is looking for. So within EMIT as a 4PL, we spun off and we set up a truck rental business called Inverse. We also, at a later stage, spun off another um, dedicated full load business called Krona. Then we looked at looked at our business and said, well, these three businesses use a lot of labor. So we set up a labor consulting business. And then through supplying labor, we turned around and said, sure, but you know, there's a big need in the market for human capital development, um, HR, IR, payroll functions, and the like. So we set up a business called Exemplar. And then with these businesses um, operating within the South African context, we then decided to branch that out to the BLNS regions. And we then set up a business called M-Link. And actually, so as Emit is the fourth party logistics partner in South Africa, they're actually a fourth party logistics uh, partner for the Botswana, Namibia, Lesotho, and Swaziland territories. So there's there's actually a couple of companies to this, you know. So we're busy in the process of setting up a workshop and a panel beater and a, and a diesel bowser. But the interesting journey about Emit's um, reversing time is now all these companies sort of just fall in underneath the Emit banner. And EMIT is able to walk into a customer and offer a basket of services ranging from whether it be security, whether it be labor, whether it be labor solutions, or even just um, the normal supply chain components. So, so, so you do all of this in, uh, in, in a time where South Africa is, uh, you know, going through the last of the Zuma years, uh, you know, in, into the early uh, Ramaphosa years to give everyone context. Not, not not a kind of a stable, predictable time to be growing a, a, a business, and and so I'm 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 looking at this and I'm thinking to myself, how how did you get it right uh, to to do this? I mean, and, and and what kind of motivates and inspires you to to take on a challenge like that, and then not only kind of just start you know start start getting involved in a business, but then to really grow it exponentially. I mean, 
what's right with you? <laughs> I think I think the question is what what went wrong in my head. You know, so, so share an adage with you. I was chatting to my business. I was chatting to my business partner Alfred some time ago, and we were joking about it, saying somebody asked us, "How do you run a business in level four lockdown with stage two load shedding and the exit of Ramaphosa and and, and um, the exit of Zoom and the, and the entrance of Ramaphosa?" And we were just sort of like that was like a shining moment for me. The, the the landscape in South Africa has never been tougher. You know, and and I, I did a couple of things to be honest. You know, so leading into into the lockdown, I was busy cannibalizing our income statements and setting up all these little businesses because we made the decision to spend money with ourselves instead of taking the money outside the group and then spending it in different places. But around all of this chaos of level fours and the government and the, and and COVID and everything, the, the first thing I did is I said, all right, I need to be able to go and build a strong team because I can't do this on my own. You know, I, I can I can try and see every customer, and I can apologize for every failure, and I can work out every costing. And I, but the reality is that I really need to build a strong team. I got my team together. We, you know, during lockdown, um, and and again, that's why I say this. There's a defining moment. Lockdown was the defining moment for our business. I called the team together and I said, guys, let's not waste a good crisis. You know, it can't get worse than where we find ourselves now. So, you know, the sky's the limit. We are going to see a lot of our opposition fall off. We, we know that. We don't know who it's going to be, but when they fall off, let's be the, the ones to pick up the pieces, right? And the one thing is we agreed, we said we'd set up a war room. We'd set up a team of people who we'd go to war with. We'd make sure that we invest in that management structure. And it's not just an executive structure because our, our executive structure is only, only two of us, really, myself and Alfred. But it was really about being able to say, how do we set up all these little functional uh, parts of our business where a person owns it, lives it, breathes it, and, and actually just takes it to the next level. And then from there, that, there was quite a, quite a ripple effect in terms of grabbing the next layer of supervisors or, or middle, middle managers you know, and upskilling them and getting them to, to the same level. Once I'd built that team, Warren, I think the big thing was I realized that I needed to give my guys something to aim at. You know? So they, they, would just, they would just come to work every day or they'd be online. You know? And during the COVID times, like these online meetings was just draining the life out of them because they actually didn't know what the, what, what the purpose was. So we gave them targets. We gave them financial targets. We gave them balance scorecards targets in terms of operational performance. And then a lot of customer-centric metrics because, again, what the team had then decided to say, if we're going to compete in a market like ours and you compete against a DHL or a, or a DSV or these big players, you've got to live in the pocket of the customer. You know? So we then set, set up a whole bunch of these uh, customer metrics and these KPIs. And really what, what I found then, Warren, is that when you share the information with your team, and you're sharing, you know, your financial performance, and you share the business's performance, and and there's different layers, obviously, that, that you can infiltrate and push some of the information down. But the power of having these people understand the business was far greater than having a field of mushrooms. And and when the team started understanding where the business is going, and they started actually seeing it move in the right direction, they just took it. I didn't do much, to be honest. You know, I just sort of steered the ship and said, guys, go that way. Are you asking enough questions? Are you doing enough? Right. And they did. And then the second thing, which I think was probably the most important thing for us, is I asked the team, what are we doing from a customer perspective? We have to attach ourselves to the hip of our customer because, again, within a, within a supply chain environment, you know, there's an analogy where the extension of a customer's business, really. So we, we then went and said, you have to be there for the customer when they need you the most. Coming out of COVID, we can have our own challenges. We are, you know, we can have our own struggles and we had cash flow issues and like everybody else, you know, had a sweat bullet. 
but our customers really battled one, you know, coming out of retail and then, you know, there was, there was all this lockdown and nobody knew what was going to happen. We just come out of lockdown sort of going into Christmas and nobody knew what the Christmas period is going to look like. And then we're no sooner out of that and then we had the looting right? and we were hit hard by the looting because a lot of our customers, you know, like LG and some of the manufacturing guys were brought to the needs and there's just absolutely nothing. And then again, you know, that's where we, my team turned around and said, how do we help a customer? Forget about price, right? Let's give them the solutions they need. We can always re- revisit price and margins and all of that later. But at the end of the day, is we, we have the opportunity now to build some seriously good relationships with our customers around being able to help them and, and, and then some, uh, some sort of help to the market. Those are, those are the big things, right? And then the, other, then the last big thing that I did you know, through this sort of how do I navigate the, the landscape is I turned around to my team and I said, guys, if we're going to connect ourselves to the customer, We've got to make sure that we connect at different levels of the business. So let's get operations to talk to operations, my operations and customer operations. Let's get the finance people to talk to each other. Let's get the managers to talk to each other. Let's get the executives to chat to each other. And what that's done, Warren, is we've, you know, we're a business that went from 181 million in turnover in quarter 2018 to we'll touch 470 now, you know, sort of four years later. With a similar customer base, we still only have about 500 customers. And when I joined, we had 472. You know? So it's not like we're just throwing business at our business. But we found the right customers. You know, We found customers we can partner with. We found customers who support us and customers we support. And from there, all of our customers have grown. I mean, we're seeing our, our existing customer base grow in certain, in certain areas between 10 12 and 14% you know, w- with us. And, and that's for us is phenomenal because they being able to be at the forefront of their markets because of their logistics activities being superior to pretty much anybody else's, you know, and and that's that was a big turnaround for us, and we just we've just seen this exponential growth and great support from our customers as a result of that. So, so you're achieving um, fantastic growth inside the business by by, by growing with growing customers, uh, and and to me that sounds like a proper partnership as opposed to feeding off. It's not a it's not a a parasitic relationship. It's one where you, you're you kind of joining at joined at the hip, and you know if they shrink, you shrink. If they grow, you grow. It's exactly it, Warren. Yeah, you know, and and it, it changes per market because I mean we we see it. So we we do raw materials, we do a little bit of retail, we do some electronics, we do, and and some of the guys are up and when some are up, some are down. You know, and and it's kept us fairly buoyant, and our turnovers been fairly buoyant. But generally, you know, when we go back and we, we measure something in the business called real organic revenue growth (ROG), when I measure that ROG. It's a combination of the increase in the, in, the, in the basket. So in other words, our wallet shares, we're taking on other parts of the customer's business potentially. But the main thing is we're seeing the growth out of our existing customers, you know, and, and, and they're doing well, which is, you know, which is exciting. And they sort of, you know, with all the negativity in the country, I, I feel so good going to a board meeting when my, when my business development team tell me that our customers are performing, you know, and they're doing incredibly well. Because that, that, that's the path of growth for you. The future yep. is is growing uh, as opposed to saying our clients are shrinking. We we've got problems. Yeah, it's exactly, and and also investing in existing customer relationships is far cheaper than trying to go and find a new a new customer from somewhere else. I mean, we we missed our new business targets. My BD team didn't achieve the new business target for last year, but we still see the growth. You know? So it's it's coming out of the right place for us. And and so uh, I mean I want to touch back on your your mushroom analogy. So so just to expand on that. So you're you're saying you know uh, open the open the books, be transparent, as opposed to to keeping them uh, keeping your staff and your and your management team of all levels in the dark, right? That's the that that's the mushroom part. Yeah, um, it's, it's exactly it. 
And, and that must be also a little bit scary at the beginning because they get to see the good and the bad. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know what I, what I realized through that, Warren, is I can't control everything. You know, as a business owner, the business gets to a point where when you're just too secretive about stuff, you lose credibility. You know, and the minute, the minute your staff want to know, are you performing well and how, how well are you performing? You sort of like, you know, cast it over with a, with a small little answer. They just don't appreciate that. So it was very difficult. You know, and, and I sat with my, mini, my finance team. We said, what do we share, right? At an executive level, we see everything. At, a, at what we call a MANCOM level or a management community, uh, communication team, we, it's everything. You want to see anything? It's there. There's the PL, You dig in. You ask the questions. Because I also realized that when I got 42 eyes pulling my PL apart you know, and looking at the expense lines, they asked the questions I never thought of. You know, and why do we have this in the business? So why are we paying for this? And what's happening there? You know, and, and through that, they've been able to go on cost drives and uh, sort of operational efficiency improvements because they understand it. They support it and it's their idea. You know? Often when, when I came up with ideas and I said, you will do this, and they said, you know? and they'll do it because I said they must. But when they believe it and they see that it changes month on month on month because of their own efforts, it, it, it moves it to a completely different level. We also then took it another level down is to say, so from an income statement perspective, we then broke the income statement up into operating units. So if you're a supervisor within an operating unit, you could see the performance of your operation, operating unit, warts and all, how it performs financially, how it performs operationally, and, and absolutely everything. So all these operational units then spoke up to, to the broader management of the business. So, so you, you're alluding to a lot of the points that, uh, that, that I, I want to just kind of narrow down on, which is a lot about people. Uh, because it sounds to me like you haven't come up with um, a completely new management strategy that, uh, that that's never been heard of before. The, 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 the kind of secret source to me is actually focusing right uh, right on the on the very people that are walking the floors, driving the trucks, uh, you, you know, doing the books, etc. Uh, so, so when you've got such an ar- array of people in your business, because it's everything from finance professionals to to drivers to cleaners, etc. How, how do you how do you motivate them and keep them going and keep them all pushing in one direction? Uh, especially when the world's kind of falling apart around them, it may not be in your business or with your clients, but but there is a lot going on. I mean, there, there is a lot for us to to kind of as human beings to be worried about in a pandemic or you know, in a in a in a declining economy. How, how is it that you get up every morning and get your people to get up every morning and 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 keep smashing these big targets? I, th- I think the big thing around team motivation, Warren, is I could I could stand up and just talk to them, you know, and get them all motivated. The reality is that people are driven by money. And that, I learned that very, very quick in my career, is that when people understand their incentives and they understand how they can catapult their earnings through incentives or profit shares or bonuses or the likes, the level of interaction with the business changes as well as their commitment to the business changes. As, as short-sighted as it might sound, we can't deny the fact that if somebody has an opportunity to earn more money by working harder, they'll do it. They'll do it if you ask them, but they'll do it so much more if, if they understand award, uh, rewards. So I, in 2018, I came into the business and we were paying profit shares and sort of bonuses and 13th checks and it was sporadic. I came through and I put a model in place and said, guys, I'm giving you a target, I'm giving you a BA, something to aim at. And we link all your incentives to the achievement of those targets, right? So, so for last year, many of our staff got 14 checks for the year, uh, some, some a lot more. But really what it meant was that at an operating divisional level, people could come to work every day knowing that if I do this well, 
I'm going to get another 500 bucks at the end of the month. And if I get four 500 rand payments over uh, or six uh, over a half year, I can get a profit share. And that profit share is linked to the profitability of the business. And then when I get to, to the end of December <clears throat> and our incentives are linked to appraisals uh, come the end of December, is that if I get a good 360 review of my peers and everybody sees that I'm performing well, I'm going to get a 13th check. First year it was tough. It didn't really sink in, you know, because a lot of people didn't understand the metrics. But the big thing, Warren, is that once they understood how the, how the performance of the business moved and how their income increased in relation to the business's performance, it just changed everybody's mindset. Everybody comes to the table with a very different approach then. Because then it's not about me, it's about how do we. You know? And a lot of our conversation is about how do we uh, when we sit at board meetings. So, so that, that gives common purpose. I mean, everyone knows what they're doing when they get there at the start of the day and, and it's everyone moving in the same direction all the time because if you go in the opposite direction, you're, you're hurting yourself, but you're also hurting the ability of the business to keep paying you more. And we do it at every level. I mean, even myself now. So we're, we've got some challenges operationally. We're heading into peak season. So our incentives are only paying out at 84% of our normal incentive line, you know, and it, it can go to 130, you know, if the business performs well, but we're at 84%. So I earn 84% of my salary, um, you know, and, and as does everybody else, earn 84% of their, their incentives. You know? So we, we have a common cause. We're all working towards the same thing. We all know what we need to change in order to, to push that line. So, the, I mean, I, I feel, you, you know, if, you look, if I look at your business, you've got a, a quite a close alignment with, with potentially the, the economy of South Africa. And, you know, as you say, looting is not just a concept for you. It's not just something that happened, uh, you know, online on, news, uh, on a news site. It's something that happens to you, to your customers. It impacts the way you move, uh, you move the goods of your clients. So, so in an environment like that, uh, What's your sense of South Africa? How are we going at the moment? Are we are we going backwards still? Are we growing? Are you excited? Mm, so, so let me answer from from the last question. I'm excited. You know, so I know. So I mean, again, we sit in business forums, Warren, and you'll hear you know the doldrums of what's happening in the economy and business. And I, I turn a deaf ear to that because I mean, we had trucks burned. You know, my own business. We we, we got looted. We had drivers pulled over. We had you know, uh, drivers assaulted. But it, it, if I spent my entire life worrying about that and whether that's going to be the trajectory moving the, 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 the industry forward and as well as the economy forward, I don't think I'd be able to take my business forward. You know, I've said to my business, shush the noise, understand where we're going. You know, for the first time in a long time, I think we have a, we have a president who's got his head on his shoulders. You know, there's obviously some of the strings that, that, that drag him along. But he, he's a sensible businessman. I've met him. He's, you know, he's sound. He's got good, good business acumen. So I think he's going to start running the country like a business. And the minute that happens and you start flushing out all of this riffraff politicians, you were just doing nothing. And our country starts running like, in, like a real business and a real economy. We're going to do very well. I have a look at a couple of indices and metrics, and I think, I think we're heading in the right direction. You know? I said to my team, if you have a look at what happened through the looting, imagine we had the other guy. So I just don't know how we would get out the deployment of the military and any of any of this stuff. So I've got a very good outlook in terms of South Africa. The other thing too is we're very close in terms of relationships um, changing and evolving between the BLNS territories. You know, so so very soon you're going to have these porous borders and and trade borders between Namibia and Botswana. It's already there, sort of Swaziland and Lesotho. But you know, so South Africa, not that we're going to we're going to be operating in those territories, but South Africa becomes a lot bigger to business than what we've ever had before. And 
and it's on we're on the precipice of this now the next three years that's going to be really it's going to be an entire south africa again just in other territories i mean that's it's it's fantastic to hear i think it's not something that gets a lot of airtime and it just sounds like some other academic concept but what you're saying is on the ground for south african businesses this is an opportunity if you open your eyes and take it yes look it's it's cumbersome you know because it's africa but the reality is that and again you know if you understand the different governments that are coming into play now a lot of the governments in Namibia, Botswana, Swaziland, okay, Swaziland is the, the, they're, un, they're under pressure at the moment, but definitely Botswana, Namibia, and South Africa. Those three have got governments now that are business centric. You know, they're turning around to, to their own economy saying, we need to do something, you know, we need to be able to stimulate stuff. And the conversation is happening on the ground. And when we go to these forums and we, we have discussions, whether it be from a tax perspective or whether it be from a business and ease of business perspective, all three territories want to make it easier to operate. They want business to come into the into the country to to work, you know. So if you can bite down hard as a business owner and say, let me, you know, let me ride out the next three years, put a footprint in, or put something in place, it's just going to be another market that that's going to tap out of South Africa. There you go to the business owners listening to this. Uh, you know, that's a gem you don't get uh, you don't get often elsewhere. Take advantage. Uh, Rory, we're running out of time, and I, and I def, def, desperately want to ask you my favorite question. So uh, every guest gets put on the couch at the end, and 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 we we ask you to reflect on everything that you've learned, uh, you know, over your business career and your working your working time. And if you could meet Rory at age eighteen or age twenty one, what would be the one thing that you would like to tell him? So, I so, so the most important thing for me, Warren, was I would say to myself, go find a good mentor. I realize now, running the business that I run, that I want to be the boss that I never had, right? I really worked for some idiots in my life. I look back <laughs> and I think, I learned nothing from these guys, right? But at a stage of about 30, I met a gentleman, Fred Platt, who's the CEO of Accentuate, the Accentuate Group. And sitting down and being able to share information with him and have a look at him as a role model, you know, understand what he achieved in his life and say, how did you do it? And he just... He was just so open, you know, and wanted to see me do well. He, he spoke me into doing an MBA, you know, and I spent three years slaving to try and get through an MBA. And from there, we had finance qualifications and stuff. But the reality is, I would have said to my 18-year-old my self, don't look at the bosses. Don't look at the people you're working for. Maybe learn from them, but go and find a mentor. Go and find somebody you can sit and have a cup of coffee with and have a conversation with and say, I don't know. You know, help me answer some questions. Tell me how you did it. Because these business leaders will share their stories with you and they'll share their little nuggets with you. And I should have, I should have done that ages ago. I'd be in a very different place. I think that's powerful. You know, uh, a lot of the time we're afraid to ask. You know, we're afraid to just uh, speak to people that, that feel unapproachable to us to say, you know, can I have five minutes of your time or half an hour of your time or an hour? And then we realize that actually a lot of the time people who have succeeded love to share. They, they love to talk about what they've learned, good and bad. Uh, and 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 to spread that knowledge as much uh, as much as they can when it's when it's appropriate for them. So I think it's a powerful a, a powerful takeaway for people listening is you know don't be afraid to ask uh, anybody uh, you know and and then I think to, to your point Rory I think be, be careful that you choose the right mentor uh, and that's the point. It's not always going to be someone in your company or your boss or whatever. It can be someone completely outside of that. Um, you know, and someone who, who who objectively just wants to share. And I think, uh, you know, th then you've got to have the, the courage as a human being to listen uh, and and take on board the good and the bad and know where we're weak. Uh, and and when you, where you're weak, you know, own up to your weaknesses, 
grow, you know, work on them, work on your strengths, of course, as well. But that's a powerful message, Rory. So um, I think we're out of time, and uh, and I know you, you you've got a lot to do and, and and a lot to work on. So so Rory Curtin, th thanks so much uh, for for your time and for sharing so freely with uh, with our listeners about uh, about um, emit reversing time. It was awesome to have you on the show, and I hope we can uh, touch base with you again in the future. I'm sure we will. Thank you, Warren. Thank you for listening to Honest Money. If you have any questions, you're welcome to reach out to me on Twitter. My handle is at Warren Ingram. Don't forget to subscribe. We're on Spotify and Apple Podcast. Chat soon.